0: Yeah, I was asked my favorite song by some of the teenagers. I'm not going to hum it for you, but the graduation song. I've been asked three times this morning to hum the graduation song. So you can ask me afterwards. I don't want to hurt your ears, so I'm going to leave that on a request basis only. Hey, we're going to try and keep it as real as we can this morning. Ordinarily, when we come together on a Sunday morning, I try and keep everything very real. Uh, We're real people with real problems. We believe that God's Word, the Bible, has very real answers. And so this morning, um, I just want to speak to you guys as real people with real problems. And let's talk about what God wants to do in your life and in my life this morning. We've been in a series, or this is the ninth week now, called the Extraordinary Series, where we talked about going from ordinary to extraordinary, And what it would look like if you grabbed the hold of the truth of Scripture and you started living it in your life in such a way that you didn't look like everybody else around you. You stopped just being an ordinary you. And you started doing things in a way that was very different from the world around you. And we said that would just be extraordinary. And if we did it as a church, if the whole church body came together and did that, it would be an extraordinary thing. And people would take notice that God is alive, that He's real and that he's good. So as you sit there this morning, I want to ask you this. What is it about you that needs to be fixed? I don't want you to tell everybody around you. I just want you to think in your head. What is it about you that needs to be fixed? Are you aware of things in your life that you could do a little bit better on? Are you aware of things in your life where you go, you know, that's, that could use some attention. It's not quite the way it should be. I can imagine doing better than I actually do. What are those things in your life? And you see, the truth is that you and I are aware of things in our life that aren't quite right, where we could do better, where we could improve. But awareness is much easier than actually changing those things. And that's the problem that we face so often as human beings. You can go outside of the church and you can ask people if they're aware of anything that they could do better. In fact, Right around New Year's, many people do New Year's resolutions. I've never met a person in my life that said, you know, I I wanted to do some New Year's resolutions this year. Trouble is, when I sat down with pen and paper, I couldn't think of a doggone thing I need to fix. My life is perfect. I'm perfect. I've never met that guy or that gal. Everybody always has a list of things to do. The problem is, how do you get it done? It's easy to come up with the list. It's hard to make those changes. And so as we keep it very real and we wrap up this series, this extraordinary series, I want to take a look at what it is in your life that God wants to change. Not just what gets on the list, but what needs to change so that you could become more extraordinary in the world where God placed you. So that we as God's church could be more extraordinary in the community that God placed us. You know, at Rest Life, we believe that every one of us is on a spiritual journey. That spiritual journey begins when you meet Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We put a cross up here on Sunday morning so we can remember and be mindful of the fact that Jesus Christ lived and he died. He died on a cross for the sins of the world. That includes yours and mine. But he didn't stay dead. He came back to life, the Bible tells us, after three days. And he conquered sin and death. So that your sins are paid for. Sin doesn't have to have power over your life. And once you wrap your mind around that truth and you accept it and you say, Lord, I want you to change me. I want you to be my God. Once you make that decision, you've begun a spiritual journey. You've been what we call born again. Spiritually, for the very first time, you're alive. Now, physically, we know you're alive. We can see you, you're breathing. That means somewhere along the way, you, you were birthed, you were a little baby. And you became alive in your mother's womb. But spiritually, the Bible tells us each one of us needs to be reborn as well. And when you have that spiritual rebirth, you begin a journey. And as you start walking out that life, that journey that God has for you, there's specific things that God wants to show you. It's a guided tour, if you will. God already knows the whole way. And he sends the Holy Spirit to take you on that journey. And along the way, there's lessons you need to learn. There's truths that you need to see. There's other people's lives you need to touch. And so God begins working out the curriculum for your life on this journey. And what I've noticed throughout the years and working in the church is that many people on this journey decide about two, three steps in. That's good enough. I'm happy here. My legs hurt. I like the surroundings. I'm just going to sit here and enjoy. I'm alive. I'm spiritually alive. I'm on the journey, but I just want to sit a while. And as I've walked along my journey, I've seen along the way there's a lot of people sitting on the side of the trail. There's people who, for whatever reason, have given up, and they've just sat down, and they're not moving forward anymore. And I think it's like if a a child didn't grow, we would say their growth was stunted, and we'd do everything we could medically to help them grow physically, emotionally. But spiritually, you need to grow as well. And I think many times Christians kind of hit these places in their life where they just stop moving forward. And I know from the Scriptures, God doesn't want any of us to stop short of the wonderful plan that He has for our lives. God wants to take you all the way through the entire journey. It's beautiful. It's good. But I also know this. Just by your presence here today, it tells me God's not finished with you yet. God's got more journey for you to go on. You have not arrived. And so you shouldn't be sitting in your spiritual journey. You should be moving, and you should be moving forward. God has a great plan for you. There's something nice right around that next turn. God wants to take you there. And this series that we've been doing, this extraordinary series, I've given you opportunities as we've gone here to open up the Word of God and to look at some things that God is asking each one of us to do, everybody. And this morning, I want to go back and I want to challenge you That in order to live those things out, there's one more piece that you need to have, and that's extraordinary obedience. Extraordinary knowledge is not impressive. Extraordinary obedience is impressive, and it's rare. It takes obedience to do the right thing at the right time for the right reasons. And I think so many of us want to do the right thing, but we like to do it in the wrong way. We like to do it our way. And you've got to do it God's way. When the Holy Spirit says, now's the time to learn that lesson, you've got to just roll up your sleeves and dig in and start working on it. That's the way that God leads us along our journey. I want you to open with me to James chapter 1. We're going to do verses 22 to 25 this morning. James chapter 1. James one to 22-25 says this. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this Not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it. He will be blessed in what he does. Do not merely listen, but do what it says. You know, in verse 22, as I look at that verse, I think it's so simple. That truth is so simple. You've probably heard that verse before, most of you. But that's so difficult to live out. Again, it's easy to know, to have knowledge of what you need to do, but to actually do it is difficult. And I love in this this verse, it tells us, do what it says. Such a profound statement. Do what it says. How often do you hear something where the Holy Spirit says to you during one of these Sunday mornings together, you need to respond to that? This is for you. And you walk out, and it never becomes a reality. You pledge to God in your mind while you were here that you were going to do something, but then you leave, and life gets busy, and it never happens. Do what it says. You know, many people around the world today are going to hear a sermon. Sunday morning. I mean, this is the biggie. Sunday mornings all around the the entire globe, different languages, people are going to hear sermons out of God's Word. And during each one of those sermons, or at least most of them, God's Spirit is going to be extremely active in the congregation, talking to people. Saying, here's what I'd like you to do. Here's what I'd like you to do. This is the next step on your journey. And unfortunately, many of those people are going to walk out of those sanctuaries, those buildings that they meet in, and they're going to go back out into their community and back out into their lives, and much of that's never going to happen. There'll be head knowledge, but there'll be no obedience. There'll be disobedience to the things that God's asking them to do. Every time you hear the Word of God, the Holy Spirit interacts with that truth to help apply it to your life, and you have an opportunity to respond. To do something. And God's word tells us that God is pleased. Not when you understand it, but when you do it. That's when God is pleased. Do what it says. If you don't, this passage tells us, you're deceiving yourself. You're lying to yourself. You're saying, I'm going to do one thing, and you're doing another. Do what you know is right. And then verse 23 and 24 says this, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror, And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now, I I do this all the time with my watch. I don't know why I've gotten into this bad habit, but I look at my watch several times a day. And I've got a, a really cheap watch from Sports Authority. In fact, I've got one of my kids' hair bands that holds it on down here because it's broken several times. But if this watch comes off, if it falls off, which it usually does when I play soccer and bump into somebody... I miss it right away. I look at my watch, I don't know, maybe 20, 30, maybe upwards 40, 50 times a day. I glance at it. Something comfortable about knowing where I'm at in my day, how much time I have left to get everything done. But I can't tell you how many times I've been in a a group of people, and I've looked at my watch, I've looked away, and within moments somebody came up and said, do you have the time? And I really don't know what time it is, and I've got to look back at my watch. And tell them it's 1118 because I've forgotten. And every time I read this passage of Scripture, I go, Isn't that a, a, a sad truth about all of us with Scripture too? You get God's Word, you get it regularly, and yet you forget what it says. Why do we do that? Could it be that we do much of what we do as Christians out of habit, and not out of conviction? In other words, it's Sunday morning. Did you really think about why you came to church this morning? Or is this just your habit? Because I know for me, I was raised going to church. I don't have to think twice about what happens on Sunday morning. Sunday morning, church. I've told you guys before, I go on vacation. Sunday morning, church. That's just the way I'm wired. It's my habit. I've been doing it long enough now. I don't have to think about how important it is to me, what else I'm giving up. I just go. But when I go to church, if I'm not the one preaching, someone gets up and opens the Word of God. If I'm the one preaching, I still have to obey the stuff that the Holy Spirit is saying to me when I open the Word of God. But I wonder how much of this habit we get into where we go, oh, that's good, yeah, I like that. But it doesn't change anything in our life. And we're like that person looking at their watch or looking at their face in the mirror. And we see it, we hear it, we understand it, but we don't, it doesn't make any difference in our life. We just walk away as if it never even happened. And I wonder, what's the point in that? Is God pleased with that? Is God pleased with you because you came here and pretended like you were interested while I was talking and then left and nothing changed? Is God pleased when the church comes together and we get large numbers of people and we say, you know, praise God, hallelujah, we sing songs, but we didn't mean anything we sang? I mean, honestly, when we were singing the song this morning, was there a song that you sang and you you weren't even thinking about the song, you were thinking about something else? Because I do that sometimes. Is that pleasing to God? Is that making any difference in the world? I would say no. It's actually quite a shame that we don't take seriously the opportunities that we have to change, to do something, to be more Christ-like, to continue to grow in our spiritual maturity and, and continue on our journey. Verse 25 says, But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, there it is again, doing it he will be blessed in what he does three times in this passage he says do it do it, does, do it does not thinks about it but actually follows through that's obedience, that's the essence of obedience we were talking this morning if you love me obey my commands isn't that right Gene? Gene and I had a little chat if you love me obey my commands if you love God you really have no other choice but to obey and yet somehow we come week after week and we think God's pleased just because I'm here God's not pleased just because you're here he wants more than that for you he loves you much more than that and he knows he's got more to deliver in your life than you'll ever be able to experience unless you get up and continue on that journey Start doing the things that He's asked you to do. You've heard the saying, talk is cheap. And it is. The blessing comes from doing the right thing. Not just talking about it. Not just agreeing with it. But doing it. That's where freedom comes. That's where joy comes. When you know and do the will that God has revealed to you in the Bible, that's when you discover what it means to truly be Free. Now, I thought about keeping it very real this morning I'm going to let you guys off the hook Because I'm just feeling a little bit kind I thought about asking if, if people just raise Maybe this is more about me, actually I thought about asking you guys to raise your hands And we would see how many of the sermons we could remember From the last eight weeks The topics that we've covered Because each one of them, for me, was very convicting And I said, Lord, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that And I probably did about 50% of it So if you're anything like me, you made some commitments to God. You had some conversations with God that you didn't follow through on. And I couldn't even remember all the sermons myself when I went to prepare this message. I had to cheat and look at my computer. So I'm not going to ask you guys to try and remember them all. Hopefully some of you are smarter than me and you can. But I'm going to go over each one of the sermons from the last eight weeks. And here's what I want to challenge you in this morning. This morning is all about keeping it real. I want to give everybody here an opportunity to take a step of obedience today. And when I say take a step, I mean move forward in that journey. I mean respond in faith to what God is calling you to do. Now, we could just talk about it this morning, which is what we normally do. At the end, I close in prayer. Pastor Mark comes up after the last song. He may mention some of the things I said and give you one more hurrah, let's do it. But nobody ever says, look, what are you going to do? How are you going to respond to what the Holy Spirit wants you to do? And so my challenge this morning is we're going to pass some baskets around. And um, Gene, if you could get those going now. We're going to pass baskets around this morning. And it has a note card in there for those of you who do not have a pen to write with. We even put some pins in there trying to remove all of the excuses that you might ordinarily have. We're going to pass these around this morning. I'd like you to take one card per person. And if you need a pen, take one. And here's what I'd like you to do. When I go through these eight sermons that we've already gone over, I'm just going to hit them in a recap. But I want you to think back to the conversations that you had with God. If, you, if this is the first one you're hearing, that's fine. The Holy Spirit can still speak to you even through the sermon this morning. But I would like you to write down at least one thing that you're going to do. Not that you agree with, not that you think would be a good idea, but that you're actually going to follow through and you're going to do that you feel like God is calling you to do as the next step in your journey. As a response to one of these messages that you've heard, what is it that you're going to do different in your life? To live it out, to become extraordinary instead of be ordinary. So let's start back at the first week. Week number one, I told you that extraordinary people have to do two things. We touched on the first one in week one. Extraordinary people die to self. We looked at Romans chapter 12, how we have to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. I said that the average ordinary person is broke, lonely, insecure, hypocritical, overworked, fearful, greedy, vengeful, argumentative, have great ability to hide it all behind a mask of contentment. I said, don't be ordinary. Be extraordinary. That's where we started this journey at. In in Romans 12, the challenge was not to conform to the pattern that we saw around us in the world, but to be transformed, to become different. Week number two. We said the second thing that all extraordinary people must do is have a healthy fear of God. If you don't fear God, you're not going to do the right thing when nobody else is looking. Proverbs 1 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What you do when no one is looking depends on what you believe about God looking is God looking is God watching does he keep tabs is he aware of your every thought your every action if you don't have a healthy fear of God you're going to take a lot of liberties when nobody else is aware week three we talked about being extraordinary with money our passage was Mark ten. we looked at the rich young ruler as well as a few other passages we said the ordinary American today makes more money than 95 percent of the world but is still indebted, stressed, and trying to earn more money. We talked about how we manage our money. In the passages that we looked at that morning, we said that love tells the truth, and the truth is this. If you love your stuff more than you love Jesus, you will not be able to follow Him, period. If you love your stuff more than you love Jesus, you will not be able to follow Him. That's the truth. Sometimes the truth hurts. Week 4, we looked at being extraordinary with our time. Our text was Ephesians chapter 5, 15 to 17, which says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity. God gives you just enough time to do everything that he asks you to do. No more, no less. Are you wasting the time that God's given you? Or are you using it to do the things that God made you to do? Week 5, we looked at being extraordinary with talent. We were back in Romans chapter 12, this time starting in verse 4. And we learned that each of us have different gifts according to the grace that God has given us. If the church closed its doors next week, we ask this question. Would the community even notice? Would they care? If you stopped coming to church next week, who would notice? Who would care? Is your talent making any difference in the kingdom of God? Week six, we looked at extraordinary relationships. We talked about loving those who are unlovely and how easy it is to love lovely people. Everybody can do that. But loving those who are not lovely and can't give back. Matthew 5, 43 to 48, in that passage, it says, what are you doing more than others? What makes you any different? What makes you extraordinary? How do people know God is real by looking at your life and the way that you treat other people? We love people in direct proportion to how much we love God. And then week seven, we talked about extraordinary forgiveness. Matthew chapter 6, 14, and 15, If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. When we forgive others, we prove that we understand God's forgiveness. God first gives it to us, and then we begin to give it to others. And then last week in week 8, we looked at extraordinary faith. We said, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. When God calls you out of your comfort zone, it's time to start living by faith. Hebrews eleven six, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. That's just a quick recap. That's eight, eight weeks the sermons that we've been going through and looking at what it means to live an extraordinary life as individuals, as a church. If you want to listen to one of those sermons, you can go online, listen on the podcast, and get the whole thing. But hopefully most of you are here for those and you remember what the Spirit was saying to you at those times. So I'd like you to write down at least one thing. Now, you don't have to put your name on there. That's your choice. You can put your name on if you like. Extra accountability. If you'd like to remain anonymous, and that's that's your comfort zone. That's your boat. You can stay in it for right now. But I'm going to ask you in a minute to to take those cards and to deposit them in the offering box. And here's what we're going to do with those. We're going to pray over each and every one. We're going to stand with you as a staff and pray for each one of you that you would do what God called you to do. That you would follow through on that thing. And so as the, the last song plays, I'd like to invite the worship team to come back up. We Have one more song. We're going to bring the worship, or I'm sorry, we're going to bring the uh, the box up front here, right next to the cross. During that song, when you're ready, you've got yours written out. Just come on up and drop your card in in the box. This is an opportunity for us just to keep it real. Are you going to change anything, or are you just going to come and sit and agree and leave? So this is your chance to really put your money where your mouth is. And so I'm going to go down and fill out my own card during that last song as well. But I'll uh, ask the worship team to come up and lead us in one last song. And that will give you a little bit more time to get those filled out. So Gene, can you bring that box up front, please? All right. Thank you, sir.
1: Christ the solid rock I stand All other ground is sinking sand Great is your faithfulness Great is your love, oh God My hope is built on nothing less Than Jesus' blood and righteousness Great is your faithfulness Great is your love Rock of Ages Seems to hide Your face. I rest on Your unchanging grace. Great is Your faithfulness. Great is Your love, oh God. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within. Rock on! Amsterdam was challenging us this morning. Sometimes I think, you know, we're all excited now. We've got our note in the box. And now it hits you. Oh, dear. Now the staff know. And they're going to be praying for us. But, you know, sometimes when you think now you're going to go out, this is when you're going to go and buy your water wings. because.